I have received apologies for absence from councillors Anjum, Lachlan, Knight, Ranger, Riles, Goddard and Foley. Anyone else? No, any declarations of interest? Councillor Morris. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, just a generic interest as a member of Southern Walden Town Council. Thank you. <laughs> Councillor Asker. Uh, ditto. Thank you. <laughs> Councillor Freeman. Anyone else from Saffron Warden here? No? Okay. <laughs> All right, moving on then to minutes of the meeting of the 17th of December. I'm going to go through them for accuracy. I'll just do it page by page. Page 5. Page 6. Page 7. Page 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Thank you, Councillor Lodge. I believe I called for order at the time in the meeting. There was some inappropriate behaviour all round, I seem to recall, that evening. Um, so, no. I've got nothing. No, I don't expect that kind of behaviour in the chamber, but as I said, there was a, a, a significant amount of bad behaviour at that, ma that meeting. And I think I reminded everyone... At, I, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. And I think I reminded everyone at that point that we didn't expect to see that kind of behaviour in the meeting. So I don't think it's necessary to mention every single incident that happened unless all of the other people who felt offended in the meeting would also like to speak now. I haven't uh, got anything to add to what the Chairman has said as far as I'm concerned and I think uh, uh, <coughs> the Councillors present, uh, we would expect to conduct our business in a civilised manner and be treated in the way uh, that we would expect to be treated ourselves. So I don't really want to add any more to that. I think we've moved on. Um, there, clearly there are matters of policy that we may not agree on but at least we can uh, behave in a civilised and mature way. Thank you. Thank you. I can't remember what page I got to, but also I'll repeat it and I'll say 17, 18, 19, 20. I'll go through the minutes from the next meeting as well and then we can address any matters arising from both of them, if that's okay. So, um, page 21, page 22. And then matters arising. Councillor Dean. 
Yes, thank you, Madam Chairman. On, the, on page 11, under minute C57, it says that uh, the Councillor Ranger had been asked to progress the member group on community engagement that, that had not yet at that time met. Uh, it hasn't that yet met, and uh, I've certainly heard nothing about Councillor Ranger trying to get it going. He's not here tonight, so obviously he can't answer for himself. But can I ask that um, Councillor Ranger is asked to carry out what was discussed at the last meeting, please? Yeah, I'll certainly give that commitment. <coughs> Councillor Sell. Uh, thank you, Madam Chairman. Uh, pages 17 to 20, particularly page 20. Um, as members may realise, the decision regarding PCSOs has been made uh, slightly better than was forecast there, but still, the, for the county, the reduction is from 250 PCSOs to 90. And for Braintree and Uddlesford, it's from 26 to 9. I met recently the PCSO that Stanford Parish Council used to part fund, and I understand that he's been unsuccessful in retaining his post. And I was just to comment that the Chief Constable was saying that as the announcement that he believed that it would be delivering a renewed and realistic commitment to local policing. I have my doubts as to whether that is entirely true. And just the last point, the last comment I would have on this item would be that politics is about priorities, about making decisions with the resources that you have and we know that Essex has been underfunded for some time but that's again partly political reasons that why it's done but I do notice that Suffolk uh, bordering county with half the population of Essex <coughs> Suffolk has managed to retain over a hundred PCSOs and as I said, half the population of Essex. Uh, the other comment I wanted to make, Madam Chairman, was in page 20, with the, with the proposals that were agreed, that were resolved, as to whether there's any further information on those items. Thank you. Yes, please. Chairman, thank you, and thank you for your question. Um, I understand that there will be further information available on March the 10th, and we should get that to members as soon as it is available. I think that uh, later this year we will have a new um, PCC, and I think that, uh, I, well, I'm hoping that in common with the current PCC, that person comes around um, two districts so that we can hear his views on the future of the funding and the structure of, of the force. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Barker. Are there any other matters arising? No, thank you. Um, briefly moving on to Chairman's announcements, I don't have um, very much to say. Uh, firstly, I just, um, I'm sure you all will just join me in wishing a speedy recovery to Councillor Lachlan and her son. 
Um, and just to say thank you very much to those who have responded so quickly um, to the invitation to my annual dinner. But for those who haven't, and as a reminder, it is Friday the 22nd of April, Bishop Stortford Golf Club. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Jones. Chairman, um, with respect to your civic dinner, I was rather surprised to note that the venue is outside uh, Essex, North Essex, whatever you like, Applesford. Um, I wondered if you might care to say a couple of words about that. I'm, I'm more than happy to. I tried about ten different venues, and because it's the weekend of the St George's Day, um, we were unable to find anything um, of, a, of the correct size um, within the district at all. And it, it's close and on the border, and it was really the best we could do. Sorry? We were fixed with the date due to the other civic dinners that were going on within the region. Thank you. Okay, um, I believe that um, Councillor Redfern would like to speak. Thank you. Item 5. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Um, I just wanted to take this opportunity to give um, members a very quick update on what's going on with the various developments um, within the um, housing revenue, or the housing team really, the HRA. Um, you'll all be aware that we have planning permission for the redevelopment of Reynolds Court in um, Newport, and I'm pleased to announce that the first phase of the demolition is now underway there and um, have been over and had a look. There's the asbestos and the light being removed at the moment, but it is, um, it is all coming down, so that's, that's underway. Um, Hatherley Court, we're still um, talking to contractors before we actually place the um, work, so that's an ongoing project. Mead Court in Stansted, I'm pleased to say that this is now still on target for the end, uh, for completion in May. Um, Obviously, that isn't the original target. It has dragged on, but I'm delighted to say that the second phase is due to be is on is on schedule and should be completed in May. Um, and the same goes for Caton's Lane. That's cracked on really well, um, and that also is due for completion in May. Um, Wendon Zambo, we had. Um, a planning application for just a single development on some um, land that we owned there and that I'm pleased to say has gone through planning but we will actually be selling that piece of land to um, on the open market to take the money and use to develop on other sites across the, uh, within the district um, and then we have Sheds Lane in Saffron Walden and um, we have a garage site there which we're hoping will provide four affordable homes. Um, it's with pre-application with the planning team at the moment but I'm also really pleased to say that um, one of these properties um, we are working on um, having it properly designed for a family with a child with very special needs. Um, so that is going to be one of the ones that we do in Caton's Lane. So I just thought um, we're looking at lots of other garage sites obviously as well that we've got but they're the ones that are on the go at the moment. I just thought it would be nice to give you all an update on uh, what's going on so that's all I've got to say. Happy to take any questions if there are any. Thank you Councillor Redfern. Uh, Councillor Rolfe. Um, just uh, a few quick points Chairman. Um, first of all uh, welcome again Dawn French, uh, our Chief Executive who starts officially on uh, Monday, but is with us all day tomorrow and this evening, so I guess technically you're probably starting tonight. So welcome again, Dawn. Um, 
those of you who weren't in the chamber at uh, six o'clock, um, we had a, a briefing on the local plan and all the, um, the information uh, on the slides presented will be circulated and please those who weren't there and able to ask questions, do ask questions of officers or anybody else um, so that uh, you've got the information that you require because on March the 21st we have an extraordinary council meeting. Um, I, I won't try and make any political point, but hopefully we've got a resolution that the three parties uh, have uh, agreed at the Planning Policy Working Group. Uh, so it is an important meeting. I do encourage you to be at, at that extraordinary meeting. On March the 10th, uh, the next briefing is on devolution. Uh, you'll be aware uh, the, of the activity going on in Cambridge, Norfolk and Suffolk. Uh, Secretary of State Michael Heseltine went to those three counties. It looks as though uh, that plan is progressing uh, quite firmly. Um, so that obviously is of relevance to us and we can have all of that updated uh, at that briefing session on March the 10th. And there's another meeting tomorrow uh, that uh, Ms French and I will be uh, going to. So um, there will be more feedback from that as well. We've, uh, we've got Nicola Beach who's been this is probably the leading chief executive on the subject coming to address us, so uh, hopefully you'll be able to ask uh, an independent person uh, around the detail. Um, and uh, just to introduce, I know there are three items in between, but item nine is the third of our fourth updates on the work of the strategic planning uh, uh, group and uh, tonight it's um, employment, economy, skills, uh, environment and transport uh, acronymed as ESET and I'm delighted to welcome Janet Drysdale who's the chairman of that group who will present, be presenting under item 9 and then at your next full council meeting not on March the 21st we'll hear from the health and wellbeing uh, uh, group as well. Uh, thanks very much chairman. Thank you. Um, moving on then to item 6, members questions. Uh, Councillor Parr. Thank you, Chairman. Um, does the Council have any comments regarding the proposed reorganisation of children's centres in Uttlesford, in particular the proposal to close two of the three centres? Thank you. I think we've picked up this information at the same time as you and we will obviously want to have the dialogue uh, with Essex County Council. At the end of the day, it is, it's, it's, it's their centres, not ours, obviously. Uh, but um, we have a, you heard from the Reverend Tomlinson at the last meeting, we have an active interest in um, uh, it, families and children. Uh, my understanding is that a number of those centres are being turned from children's into complete age group centres, so there still be the opportunity. And, uh, and reference was made to Ferrycroft, which is, I'm, I'm pleasure of visiting that uh, next week, I think. Um, and, um, you know, if Uttlesford is able to support that operation, I'm sure members would be very interested in that. So uh, I think we need just to digest the impact this might have on Uttlesford. But uh, we note to the points you're making. Thank you, Councillor Dean. Madam Chairman, the um, Leader of the Council has already made reference to uh, a workshop on the local plan that we had earlier this evening. Um, at that workshop, the frustration of many members of the Council about the delay in decisions or announcements from the Secretary of State over two planning appeals at uh, Elsnam and Little Eastern was, was mentioned, and the Leader did say that he would I think not for the first time be raising 
our concerns with Sir Alan Hazelhurst, our local MP. I'd like to ask the Leader of the Council whether he can confirm that, that in any discussions with um, people at Westminster or from Whitehall or with our own officers or anybody else for that matter who is involved with this process that there has been no, no indication that the Secretary of State is waiting for Uttlesford District Council to signal in some way the likelihood of moving towards a new settlement before his decision is made public. Yes, I can confirm that. The response we've had back from um, the Minister, Brandon Lewis, is that this is a judicial situation, uh, so he's not able to make any comment until a decision has been made. We understand that there is a bit of a backlog. Um, uh, the, the last briefing we had was that a recommendation had been given to ministers, uh, which is why we had hoped for something before now. Um, but certainly there had never been any indication of, of, of a link uh, in terms of them waiting for us to make our move. So, but I, certainly tomorrow uh, when we see Sir Alan, uh, we will be stressing the importance uh, because there may not be um, a relevance from us to them, but there's certainly a relevance from them to us. So, and that, uh, that really should be taken into account. Thank you. Are there any other questions? Moving on then, I don't believe there are any items under 7 and 8. So we'll move on to the updates of the Local Strategic Partnership. Janet, uh, are you coming forward with your colleague Simon? Thank you. Of course. And could you wave at me if you can't hear, um, or if I need to be a little bit louder? Sorry, um, with me tonight is Simon Jackson, who is the officer of Uttlesford, who works on economic development issues. So I'm going to do a little bit of introduction, and then Simon's going to talk a, a bit about his work, um, and then I'm going to come back with a few other sort of key points. Um, you will have noticed in the title that everyone finds it very difficult to string off, um, which is why we've become ESET, Employment, Economy, Skills, Environment and Transport. We have a very, very wide brief, um, but what we do find is that there's a degree of overlap on those particular subjects, but we go in particular depth when we need to around the individual subjects, but we try and sort of keep it tied together. Our key role really is to try and coordinate, network, to make contributions to consultations and to bring together the work of the council, a number of other agencies and other interested parties to make sure that we achieve the best impact we can with the resources that we have in the area. Um, sometimes they're quite small things and sometimes it, you know, just someone meeting is, um, just to have a chance to sort of work together which they might not have had previously. Um, I don't really need to explain to you in this room that we are sitting in the middle of a massive development. You know, we have the M11 corridor coming down, linking from Peterborough right through to London, and Uttlesford is in the middle of that. Um, 
So whether it's sort of science, research, manufacturing, the fact that we have an airport with increasing number of passengers, all of that is going on. And the work of ESET is trying to make sure that we get maximum benefit by knowing what's going on and connecting people. Um, we also know that if you look at the statistics, we have very full employment in Uttlesford. But from talking to the community sector and other residents, we also know that we still have poverty. You heard at your last meeting about the food bank. So we have poverty, we have people with mental health needs, and we also have people who live here who are not connected to that sort of prosperity and development that is going on. So again, by connecting and working together, we're trying to see if we can do more to make that benefit spread wider. In an area that is so rural, with issues of transport and getting from one side to the other, and also the fact that so many of us, I'm afraid, are Saffron Warden-centric. You know, we, this is where I live, so this is the area I know most. But the fact of trying to remember to check what's happening in other parts and in some of our villages and linking with some of the parishes as well. So I'm going to hand over to Simon now to talk about the economic development, and then I'll come back and talk about a few of the other things we're doing, um, and then we'll take questions. And if any of you in this room have things that you particularly want to know about or want to meet with us, then please do ask, and we'll happily come and meet with you individually to talk about anything that you know, but also connect people to us um, if you think that they can benefit from knowing what we're doing in the group. Thank you. Over to you, Simon. Um. Thank you very much, uh, Janet, and good evening uh, to everybody. Um, we focus on, in economic development, in your economic development service, we focus on five key areas, and I'm going to quickly say what they are and give you a flavour of what's being delivered uh, against those five areas. So the first area is that we, we're here to try and help people to start and stay in business in the district. Uh, we've got lots of entrepreneurs in the district and we'd like more because they help to create jobs and wealth and so on. In terms of what we've been delivering, we've held uh, around 14 workshops. We've had 120 people attend those workshops. Uh, we've had 10 people who, as a result, have gone out and started a business as a direct result of attending one of those workshops. And the workshops cover from things like how to create a good business idea through to how to shoot a YouTube video. Uh, as people may know, most people, a lot of people now search for things using uh, uh, looking at video and so on. Um, and we get feedback from all of those workshops, so we know that 85% of those people who have an existing business who attended the workshops have actually implemented what they learned in their business. Um, so we're helping them, people to start and stay in business. That's the first area. Second area of importance is ensuring that people have access to super fast broadband. Uh, and I know the leader knows um, how hard both uh, he uh, Councillor Riles, who isn't uh, here this evening, I know myself, have lobbied hard to make sure that we're getting the best deal possible for the district in terms of people being able to access superfast broadband. And indeed that lobbying has enabled the district to gain the biggest increase in the numbers of people who are, uh, sorry, the numbers of homes and businesses who are going to be able to access superfast broadband, but there's still quite a job to be done and we are on that. So that's the second area, access to superfast broad broadband. Third area is all around town centre, town centres, viability and vitality. And you may well know that we have two excellent uh, town teams in Saffron Walden and Great Dunmo. 
and in Stansted we have the Economic Development Forum. People who are volunteering to help to generate, to, to uh, promote those locations and those town centres to get more people into those locations and spending more money. All of those um, forums uh, are working hard at putting together events and there have already been some very successful events and all of them have exciting event programmes meshing in with the existing events programmes uh, to attract more uh, people into the town. And indeed, uh, I think it's reasonably fair to say that the great Dunmo town team actually made Christmas happen last year. Without them, it probably wouldn't have. But that's not stretching it too far. Um, so that's the third area. The fourth area, um, helping businesses to expand in, that are already in the district and also attracting new investment into the uh, district. So a flavour of what's been happening there, we were able to attract uh, £500,000 worth of funding for 14 rural-based uh, businesses to help them expand and in doing so create jobs. Um, and we were also, uh, um, through in terms of attracting new investment, we also worked with uh, the local agent to actually get an investor to invest in Sion Park, Sion Park in Stansted, Mount Fitchett, which if you know was uh, a listed building, converted to office use, was empty for the uh, best part of two years, now has a, uh, an investor in there who's offering business space. Uh, to um, uh, companies that need that space. Now, that's really good news for two reasons. One, you may be aware that we commissioned a report last year looking into commercial workspace availability, the supply and demand of commercial workspace in the district, and one of the key findings is that we were short in supply. So being able to persuade an investor to come in and invest in this Sion Park um, and provide additional space is very good from that perspective. It's also very good because now the District Council actually receives business rate revenue from that property, whereas previously it didn't because it was listed building and unoccupied. So that's the fourth area. The final area is to persuade more people to come and visit uh, Uttlesford. Um, it's not necessarily with a bucket and spade, but day visitors coming into the towns, looking at the uh, uh, heritage uh, and so on that we all know and love within the district. And again, a flavour of what we're achieving in that, we've created a marketing team within Saffron Walden, comprising um, Audley End, the Museum, Saffron Hall, Saffron Screen, uh, Fry Art Gallery, and so on and so forth. And that whole thing operates by what we call reciprocal marketing. So if we want to, and our communication team wants to get a message out about what's happening in Saffron Walden, that then goes out through all of their communication channels. So instead of having uh, a Twitter account with 2,000 people following it at the District Council, all of those other people will also tweet uh, uh, what, we, what we want to get, the, mes the message that we want to get out there. Likewise, they'll include it in their email, likewise, they'll include it in their brochures, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so it's a very exciting um, team of people working really hard to get more people, in this particular instance, into Saffron Walden. So there are the five key areas that we're working on. It's a flavour of some of the things that have been uh, delivered. It is about sustainable growth. Uh, we still do need to be able to create jobs for the sorts of people that um, Janet is talking about, but also, of course, we've got substantial housing growth um, uh, in the future years. So those people will need jobs, and if it's sustainable, jo if it's sustainable growth, we need some local jobs. And increasingly, the focus, and you'll see this in the next two-year uh, economic development strategy, the focus will also be on about how, through this service, we can generate additional revenues for the District Council through various uh, mechanisms, including 
um, in the future business rates. Thank you. Right, the other things we're involved in, um, every quarter I go to a meeting with all the heads of the secondary schools and the reason for that is to try and keep them up to date on what's happening in the business areas and how the economy is moving because it affects what can be taught within the curriculum and um, helping young people become aware of the opportunities that there are. Um, last year we helped organise a careers event for all 17 year olds and we'll be doing another one this autumn. And so it's Simon's links with businesses, making sure we get some local businesses as well, not just the larger organisations that they might um, know about. Um, through working with the Department of Work and Pensions and Job Centre Plus, a lone parent advisor is attending Dunmo Children's Centre. I shall offer, from the thing you were saying about some of them shutting, I shall have to check whether Dunmo is one of those or not, from what was mentioned earlier. It was not, okay, fine. Um, we work very closely with the County Adult and Community Learning Service, who have um, some a centre in Saffron Walden, they also use other sites across the area. And we've linked them with the Citizens Advice Bureau, so if any person who's trying to sign on for universal credit and doesn't have the IT links, they can actually be assisted through adult and community learning and referred by the CAB. Um, I can't um, sort of leave this area without talking about the importance of Stansted Airport. Um, the annual number of passengers going through has reached 22.7 million um, and the number of jobs that are available there is extensive from everything from customer service through to the fact that they've also been trying to recruit locally from apprenticeships for engineering. And so there's a mass of um, variety of jobs available which we're also trying to connect the schools to. They've also just published a disability access guide. Um, you will know about the new hotel that's opening there with 360 bedrooms. It's actually going to create 300 new jobs. The business space, we had a pre presentation at ESET at our last meeting about what's happening on Northside and the fact that we hope within the near future that there will be new business space for things not necessarily connected to the aircraft industry, but actually new spaces, especially there might be space for small business start-up. Um, Harlow College have also been in liaison with a number of organisations, including the airport, about a new site, and it is hoped that there will be an FE college based <coughs> near the Hilton Hotel, close to the airport, on a, a piece of airport land, which will be covering engineering training, everything through to customer service again. In June 2015, the Aerozone Learning Hub opened. Um, it has already had 1,600 schoolchildren visiting it. It covers the history of the development of the airport, but also maths, science and engineering, and the opportunity to go onto a platform that shows them the runway. And it recently won an award for new innovation in employability. They also have frequent job fairs and still have an academy there for training. 15% of the um, staff at the airport take part in volunteering and they have a target to get 30% volunteering. 
They have 26 senior managers who are mentoring in schools. 16 of those are working in Forest Hall School in Stansted. And we have a, someone from the airport who also sits on ESET who keeps us connected. And we also, it's sort of a two-way conversation. The other new action we're trying to do is that we know that in Uttlesford we need a large number of volunteers, far more than we currently have, for projects and also to support the delivery of services. The Volunteer Centre knows that 25% of the people who approach them are not ready to volunteer. They either lack confidence or do not feel that they can work on their own and cannot, cannot be sort of referred immediately to someone who needs to take on a volunteer. They've, over the last year, tried to support individuals, and I'm going to mention a very small statistic only because it's a way of evidencing what we're doing next. They've offered support to 11 people who needed that one-to-one -one type of uh, initiative. And seven of those people have now got into work. So what we're proposing to do is to train people we call super volunteers. And each of these super volunteers will go on a short training course and will then take on two or three people themselves who need that entry to volunteering, who will have a supporter that goes with them to a placement and mentors them and helps them until they feel that they are then ready to work independently. So that's our newest venture, which we hope to get started in March. Um, but as I said earlier, the key thing is about coordinating, networking, looking to see what the opportunities are and seeing if there's a way that by working together, the council and outside agencies, that we can create something a little bit more. So we're very happy to take questions and any suggestions you've got about things that we could do perhaps in more depth. Thank you. Thank you both, Janet and Simon, for a very comprehensive report. Um, does anyone have any questions? Have you stunned everyone into silence? Ah, Councillor Dean. Well, I'd, I'd just like to welcome uh, Janet Drysdale's uh, report, uh, telling us all these things that they're doing. Obviously, you're telling us, to some extent, what other people are doing, but equally well, it strikes me that you're acting as a very useful catalyst to bring people together, and that's often what's needed. And so it does seem to me that Adelsford Futures has a future, um, and, and, and you're doing quite well. Also interested to hear um, Simon Jackson's um, presentation. I mean, I, I do know Simon, if you will, in the day job when we do the um, Stansted Economic Development Group, but that's only from the Stansted end and we've, you know, we've heard a lot of things that are going on across the district and it probably, I mean some of it was news to me and some of it's probably news to other members and I just wonder whether we can take away the thought that, that it might be helpful to Simon if um, there were a bit more or wider membership, uh, council membership oversight of the work that he's doing and, and you know providing encouragement to it um, because from a council point of view, I don't have no visibility of, of you know, the action plan and the outcomes, etc., etc. So it's just a thought to take away. Not, obviously, it's not decision time now, but um, I think it's an, you know, it's an important area. We're talking about, <laughs> I mean, we were talking about earlier on about housing, 
and we're going to be talking a little bit about housing later, but there is more to it. There is a job side as well. The two have got to go together. And if all we do is think about houses and not about jobs, then the potential for disconnect. So I do think we need to get involved a bit more. Thank you. Anyone else? Ah. Councillor Gordon Takeley. Uh, if um, somebody was interested in becoming a volunteer, mm. how could they contact you and present themselves to you? It's just for the benefit of anyone who may be listening or would wish to do so. How would you like them to approach you? Thank well, you. They can, it's, it really depends on whether they are able to make that link for themselves. So they could get in touch with the volunteer centre. But if it's, say, an individual that you know would like to volunteer but doesn't feel confident enough to make the phone call, um, any of the people on ESET will happily act as the link to you. So if you've got the name of an individual you would like approached to ask if they would like some assistance, we could arrange for someone to call them. Does that answer your question? The very excellent Uttlesford volunteer body actually oh. has its offices in this building, uh, run by Lizzie Petrie and John's wife, uh, Pat. So, um, notwithstanding what Janet's just said about those who may not want to make that approach at this stage, but if they do, uh, they're here, and I'm sure they'd love to hear from them. And it may be a, a communications thing. Maybe there's not enough information out there so that you would know that the volunteer centre is there. I mean, there is, I think, sometimes a geographical difficulty. So from Takeley, for example, um, I know of a project that takes volunteers that's in Little Canfield, whether that's near enough. And there have been some schemes with young people that I think have been running in Takeley. So we might be able to find out for you what's happening in your area by us talking also to the Volunteer Centre, if that helps. Thank you. That does partly answer my question, but yes, I would like to know about Little Canfield for, you know, for mm -hmm. our area, but is there a website? Is there a contact telephone number? Because like getting the information out there is very important. Well, I think um, if... Um I can get your email address. I'll make sure that the Volunteer Centre sends you a bit of information, if that's all right. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor Farthing. Uh, Councillor Farthing, um, of the 22.7 million people that fly over our heads and arrive by public transport and all the rest, um, and then fly off to their destinations. Do you have a strategy to try to capture some of those people, to sell the local attractions, to spend some money in the community? We have discussed that with the uh, community people who work for Manchester Airports Group. Um, at the moment, on their information stands, they haven't got as much information as we would like about the local area. But it depends, it, when a visitor comes in, if they ask the question, it's very often that they're told about Dunmo, Saffron Walden, and you know, where they can get to within a day. And there was a discussion at the tourism conference that happened last year um, about working with Essex um, Tourism Authority so that they would make sure that information was available at the airport. I'm not, has it been finalised? Uh, it's about to be, um, yeah. and the, the reason it's about to be is that um, the uh, Visit Essex um, have approached us to renew our membership of uh, Visit Essex, and uh, we're negotiating with them 
to include things like making sure that we've got a much stronger presence at the airport for those 22.7 million people who are going in and out of it. But any available material, um, it's very easy for us to get it onto the information stands. I think the more important thing is making sure that those people who give information to the passengers know themselves about what's available locally. Uh, in my experience, the um, mm -hmm. information point really is more interested in selling hotel space. Um, they're not really interested in promoting the area. And uh, because of the, the, the cost uh, or, or value of any space on the airport, um, I think it's very, very difficult really to, to do that. But, you know, we've got wonderful places around here mm -hmm. that uh, I think that you should try to be more actively selling I mean, I think it's a very valid point. I mean, it's, it's a way of us marketing through the airport, but it might be that when people know they're flying to Stansted, they look at how they get to London, not looking on the website as to what they could do within the locality. But the staffing on the information point has changed over the last few months, and they are, um, they are now people who are employed by Manchester Airport's group who are actually running it. So the, the ambassadors are now working and operating the information points. But we can have other discussions with the airport about how we do this better. And it might be some links perhaps onto the Stansted website. We'll ask. Thank you. Thank you both um, once again for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, um, moving on then. We've got a number of items on the budget. Um, I believe we're going to take a block vote at the end of this, so I'm now going to sit back comfortably and introduce the Councillor Howell Show. <laughs> Thank you, Madam Chairman, Councillors. Um, I'm pleased to present the budget for 2016-17. Um, it's been, to be honest, a particularly challenging process this year, preparing the budget. There's been an unprecedented level of uncertainty around a number of items, and I need to point out that a number of items remain unknown at this stage. Um, members will have had some flavour of that uncertainty at the, the members' workshop on the 11th of January. Um, it would be remiss of me not, however, to thank Adrian Webb and Angela Knight for all the hard work they and their teams have done preparing the budget this year. So thank you very much. Um, I can report to councillors that the council's finances are in a strong position. And this is thanks to prudent and disciplined financial management over a number of years. Uh, but it's also coupled with the income we receive from the new homes bonus uh, this year. Now, uh, as the Chairman has said, we've got a lot to get through tonight. Um, I won't go in detail or deal in detail with each of the papers. I'm going to assume that you've read them as well. Um, the papers listed under Agenda Item 10 form a single interlinking narrative. Um, but I do intend to draw out a few points on each of the papers and highlight some main issues. Um, the highlights in my mind for 2016-17 is that we, in this budget, propose to maintain the members' new homes bonus ward allowance of £3,000 per member. Uh, we intend to maintain the same level of subsidy as we provided in this current year under the two parish and town councils under the uh, local council tax support mechanism. Um, 
We intend to maintain our contributions to the voluntary sector. Uh, they total about £415,000 added to the £117,000 that forms members' new homes bonus. That's over half a million pounds, £530,000 that we make as, voluntary, as contributions to the voluntary sector. There are a number of areas of important investments this year, not least CCTV in Faxted, extending of the Lower Street car park in Stansted, <coughs> funding the final phase of the restoration of Saffron Castle, a theme particularly close to my heart, which I raised when I first got into local politics 20 years ago. I think it was the first thing I spoke about when I became a councillor nine years ago. Um, it demonstrates the need for patience if you want to do things in local government more than anything else. Um, and also, uh, we are proposing extra funding for enforcement to ensure that members get the visibility they require on the uh, enforcement activities and so they can have confidence in this important service that we undertake. And we're also proposing in this budget additional funding to ensure that the highway panels and the highway rangers service are protected. Um, despite the fact that Uttlesford's financial position is strong, it's also clear that Uttlesford faces unprecedented challenges in the future. Um, I commented, I think, probably two or three months ago that Warren Buffett is somebody who I read with interest, and he made the comment that the clever piece is not predicting the weather, but building the ark. And reading the budget papers, you'll be aware of the challenges that we face two years out and this budget is about starting that process. We face an unprecedented reduction in government funding over the next four years and this budget forms part of the, the first steps of how we address this process. It takes us through to the election in 2019 and beyond. It may well be that I'm not here in 2019 or, or beyond, but I believe it's the responsibility of all of us in this chamber to do our bit to make sure we don't hand over the problems to, to who comes after us. We, we've known for some time there were going to be challenges. The scale of those challenges and the timescales are now becoming much clearer. And I believe that this forms part of a plan to address these we need to look at how we do things, to do them more efficiently, to work smarter. We need to change the way we deliver some of our services, and that may mean that we no longer deliver some services. We need to increase our income. We have to be more entrepreneurial, and we, in particular, and I'll spell out within the budget papers, we need, in my opinion, to use our reserves to start to generate some of that additional income, building an asset which has a value for a future generation. Um, I do not believe that the response to every crisis is, well, put it on the precept. Instinctively, I do not believe that that solves problems, but I recognise we have to use all of the tools available to us, and given the fact that we are faced with particular challenges, this budget includes a proposal for a gradual and managed increase in council tax. There are some areas of uncertainty remaining within the budget. The consultation on the new homes bonus uh, requires us to review the medium term financial strategy, which is item 13 in your paper, again in the autumn. Um, there's again uncertainty over the future government policy on business rates. 
Um, one of the great challenges is that the numbers have been changing right the way through the process and the papers that went to scrutiny and to cabinet did not reflect the fact that we've been advised of £339,000 of additional funding that we will receive as a result of the rural services delivery grant and the transition grant in connection with the phasing out of the formula grant. So this is money that is not reflected in these papers. Um, we took the decision not to update those papers, but that information was circulated. I need to thank Councillor Dean and the members of the scrutiny, part, uh, scrutiny Committee for their robust review of this budget. Um, it forms um, part of the process. By the time it comes to Council, you've all had an opportunity to kick the tyres. Um, I, I'm, I'm conscious that I don't necessarily always have the opportunity to see the, the amendments that are going to be proposed. I'm grateful to the Liberal Group for circulating an amendment um, proposing extra funding for the highways rangers. Um, I, I believe there's some confusion um, as to whether that, that is subject to cuts in funding, but within this budget I am going to propose an amendment to what's contained to ensure that funding to both highway rangers and the highways panel is protected. So, lots of uncertainties, areas where we're going to have to come back to. Let's deal with the detail. Um, my report contains six particular reports plus the draft corporate plan, which is item 11, and I'm going to ask the, the invite the leader to speak to item 11, when, 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 but if you don't mind, I will go, as the chairman suggested, through each of the items, and then we can deal with, 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 with item 11 as well. Um, so the first one is the robustness of our estimates and the adequacy of reserves, which is agenda item 12, set out on page 39. Um, and I need to start off by stating the obvious, which is that all budgets contain estimates and assumptions, and inevitably there's some level of risk, some degree of variance against budget within the process. The highest risk facing the Council, once again, relates to the volatility of costs and our income in connection with the Council's waste and recycling services. Um, there's a, a medium risk uh, concerning the localisation of business rates, uh, and whether it's going to be either less or more than we've budgeted. And, th and this, frankly, continues to be a challenging area for us to forecast reliably. Uh, however, we did do a review during the summer of 2015, and I believe we have set a more realistic forecast than in previous years. Um, and I will ensure that there are regular updates prepared on uh, our budgets to ensure that any variances are reported to, to Cabinet and, and to the Scrutiny Committee. We operate a reserves committee which identifies the purpose, the lifespan and the risks associated with each uh, reserve. It's set out in Appendix 1 of this item and I'm going to propose a number of changes to a number of our existing reserves and the establishment of a number of new reserves. Um, in 2016 I'm proposing three new reserves are established. The first one is a new homes bonus contingency reserve and this depends upon the outcome of the government's consultation on new homes bonus which we won't know the outcome of until the summer. It may however be necessary for us to establish a reserve to offset the risks around the loss of new homes bonus following planning permission granted on appeal. 
I also propose the creation of a special purpose vehicle reserve, an SPV reserve. Um, this will enable the formation of funding of a wholly owned council owned company which will be able to generate additional income, an additional income stream for the council from our assets. The funding model on which the council's finances have been based are changing. We have to acknowledge that. We need to get used to a reduction in funding from central government. The SPV, the Special Purpose Vehicle, forms an integral part of our strategy to, using that cliché, mend the roof while the sun shines. Now, I acknowledge and understand the importance of getting the structure of the SPV right, um, and in particular its governance. I don't think it's the discussion for tonight, but I propose to bring back the details of what is proposed, so I want all councillors to be fully aware, informed and involved in that process. Um, the new reserve, when it's created, will be funded from the Strategic Initiative Fund and I want it to be something that we all participate and engage in the design of. The third reserve that we're establishing this year is the Pension Deficit Reserve and this will enable the Council to make a three-year advance payment to the Pension Fund at a discounted rate. Um, we're advised that we should maintain a working balance at the current level of around £1.234 million, which I guarantee will be the only number I remember, uh, and to that to manage the other risks through earmarked reserves. Um, I very much concur with this advice, which I consider to be sound and well explained, and I therefore move the recommendation on page 39, do you wish me to read the recommendations on page 39, or may I take it that we have read them? Mr Perry? You can take them as being read, Councillor. Sorry, oh. could you say that again? You can take them as being read. Thank you very much. Moving then on to the second paper, which is item 13 on page 61 of your papers. And thank goodness we decided to do papers on this occasion. Um, the medium-term financial strategy. The purpose of the medium term financial strategy is to look ahead and to anticipate the issues that may arise in the Council's finances. It gives us the long-term visibility that we need to plan for the future. Um, I, I believe there's a thread that runs through the whole of this budget. This year's budget should not be viewed in isolation. It's part of a long-term strategy to address what we need to understand uh, around the evolving financial backdrop. Um, the medium-term financial strategy is based on a number of assumptions. The most significant of these is that the government's, announcing, uh, is the government's announcements around the review of the new homes bonus. The impacts of the changes are likely to be significant and detrimental to the, to the finances of the, of the Council. The medium-term financial uh, strategy is predicting what we believe to be a realistic assumption of income, effectively of £2 million from 2017-18. That's effectively half the current level. However, I need to point out the final outcome is unlikely to be any better than this and may well be worse. The second key assumption under the medium-term financial strategy is the localisation of business rates. Um, we've reviewed them and we believe they've been now set at realistic assumptions around the levels of income. 
Um, there are, however, ongoing accounting issues around the release of provisions. Um, I think that we can have reasonable confidence over, those, over the next two years, effectively 2016, 17 and 17, 18, and as a result, our income is going to exceed expenditure for those two years. Thereafter, from 2018 and 19, circumstances are significantly less benign. We are going to have, in 2018-19, a deficit of £700,000. That is ongoing and increasing by 2020-2021. We're expecting, under the medium-term financial strategy, to have a deficit of £1 million. The details of that are set out on page 73. So we effectively have two critical years to address these challenges. And in my, it's my belief, we have to use that time wisely, giving active consideration to the ways in which we can reduce the cost of delivering our services, and at the same time looking at how we can generate additional income, ready for those challenges. So I therefore move the recommendation on page 62. The third paper deals with our Treasury management, agenda item 14 on page 77. Um, we hold significant cash balances at any one time because we are the council tax collecting authority and because we hold reserves for projects um, that are planned and not yet being enacted. Holding cash comes with considerable risk, primarily counterparty risk. Um, and it is not enough for me simply to say to, to Mr Webb, here is £50 million put it under the bed till we need it. So we, we, whether we like it or not, we have to engage in a treasury management strategy. Um, we've undertaken a review that's set out in Appendix A on page 81 to page 97 of the report, and it incorporates various updates to the current strategy. They're in line with the recommendations from our treasury management consultants, Arlene Close, um, I would characterise them as a recalibration, not a redesign. Um, our objective is to ensure that we increase our income from our Treasury management without increasing the risk from our Treasury management. And we undertook, or Arlene Close undertook, a very interesting desktop um, review which identified that we managed to combine low risk and low return, which is, in one respect, good, but I would like to move towards a strategy where we combine low risk with higher return, and that is the, the purpose of setting out the, the recommendations um, for the revised Treasury management strategy. I recognise that we live in uncertain times. I've listened to the comments of the Scrutiny Committee, um, we need to ensure that we improve and increase the return from our Treasury management activities without increasing risk. I believe that this, red, this um, strategy achieves that objective, and I therefore move the recommendation on page 77. The fourth item is agenda item 15 on page 99, and this deals with our capital programme, for 2016-17 through to 2020-2021. It sets out in the appendices on page 102 
um, our capital programme for 2016-17. That includes £3.23 million of expenditure in the general fund uh, and £12.52 million worth of expenditure under the HRA and the business plan schemes, a total of £15.75 million. They include the purchase of land to to enable the extension of Lower Street Car Park, a rolling programme of significant works planned for these offices, um, a further stage in the redevelopment of the Dunmo Depot, um, and Councillor Redfern has already referred to the substantial investment that we are undertaking with Mead Court, Reynolds Court, Hatherley Court and and Walden Place. I'd ask you to note that no external borrowing is required to finance the five-year capital programme as detailed in this report. I believe the capital programme delivers a lasting legacy and represents an enduring benefit for residents, local tenants, service users and the whole district. And with that in mind, I move the recommendation on page 99. Moving on, the fifth item for you to consider is the housing revenue account 1617 and budget and the five-year business plan strategy set out on page 111. And I share this paper with the portfolio holder, Councillor Redfern. Um, The key points of the report are set out on page 111 and and I would emphasise that the Housing Board and the Tenants Forum have reviewed the housing rent and service charge proposals and recommended the report for approval both to Cabinet and to full Council, and they also reviewed the housing revenue budget and the five-year financial strategy and similarly recommended the reports for approval. Um, The Appendix B on page 121, which sets out the HRA capital programme for five years, shows a um, total investment in housing improvements, new build and redevelopment over the course of the next five years of around £32.8 million. That's in addition to the spending in the current financial year of £7.4 million. And I draw your attention to Appendix E on page 124 to 125, which sets out some of the key achievements uh, against the items identified in the HRA business plan. Um, I I note that um, This is, without doubt, the largest stock improvement programme in the Council's history. It includes 296 new kitchens, 210 new bathrooms, 905 replacement boilers. It's an impressive list. Um, Now, I would like to, therefore, I just need to remind myself of the recommendation on this, excuse me, Um, propose the recommendation on page 112, which takes me on then to item 17. Uh, I'm advised that uh, item 17, which concerns the general fund and council tax for 2016-17, requires a separate recorded vote. Um, I note the results of the residents' consultation and their responses, which are set out on pages 136 to 138. For the most part, this budget assumes that spending on services is maintained at current levels. There are two key risks and assumptions they concern, uh, and they're set out on page 135 to 136, the Stansted Airport Business Rates Appeal, and the slightly bizarre claim that the NHS trusts are charitable organisations. I 
realise that we need to use all of the tools available to us to address the challenge um, that faces us. And to prepare for that, I'm proposing a 1% increase in council tax in 2016-17. That means that for a band D household, council tax will go up £1.39 per annum, that's £12 a month, from £138.74 to £140.13. The details of that are set out on page 131 under item 11. I am pleased to be able to say that Uttlesford remains the lowest cost district council in Essex. Um, Appendix G, which is separately circulated, sets the, precedent, uh, the precept levels for Essex County Council, the Fire Authority, the Police and for our town and parish councils. And, and I also note council, uh, sorry, uh, Appendix F, which sets out the council's fees and charges. I'd characterise this as a, as a steady-as-she-goes budget, not too flashy. Um, putting in place the foundations for the long term, there are no rash decisions. We need to take time to consider and make the difficult choices when we know what all the pieces look like. We know we've got a challenge. We aren't going to duck it. We are in a much, much better place than so many other councils to address that challenge. Uh, I'm determined that we don't just predict the weather for the next council, but we build the arc for them. And this is the first steps on this process. I therefore move the recommendation on page 127 with a, an additional recommendation that the council agrees to allocate for 2016-17 a sum of £118,010 £118,010 from the Strategic Initiative Fund to provide match funding with Essex County Council for the local highways panel uh, and also the highway rangers. Thank you very much. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Are you, are you going to revert to your item first, Howard? I, I think it would be appropriate, and then we can take uh, all, all items. I'm now on page uh, 33, the corporate plan, and uh, again, I will assume that everybody has read that and briefly draw your attention, particularly to the uh, first paragraph in its summary. Um, we're now straplining the council as being high quality and low tax. That's a change in emphasis. We are emphasising health and well-being, particularly well-being, in terms of one of the common themes that runs through the work that we do for our residents. But then I come back to those four key streams of finance about which you've heard a lot. Thank you, Councillor Howell high quality services which is implicit in the strap line and something that I think this council is proud to deliver. Uh, sharing the benefits of growth uh, with our communities and I think you've heard some of that uh, through from Janet Drysdale this evening and maintaining thriving communities. The actual plan is um, laid out on page 37 um, but uh, I, I don't intend to read through that because I'm sure you've already done it. So I make the recommendation that the draft corporate plan for 2016-21 be approved. Chairman, thank you. Thank you both, gentlemen. Um, Councillor Chambers, followed by Councillor Dean. 
Um, Madam Chairman, I would be more than happy to um, second the proposal, both from Councillor Howarth and from the Leader of the Council with regard to the corporate plan. There is just one small item which you would expect me to mention as I'm on my feet. Please, please, do not use civil service jargon. Special reserve vehicle. Six-wheeled, eight-wheeled, ten guns, water cannon. Please, please make it whatever you call it and don't spend hours over it. Just call it a name that the general public can understand. Thank you, Madam Chair. Thank you, Madam Chairman. We'll, we'll have a competition to uh, find a better name. Um, I want, I just, I've got about four points to make, really. One is that, overall, I'm reasonably content with the, the budget. Uh, I recognise the challenges ahead and the efforts that are being made to plan for that. And uh, Councillor Howell is quite right. There aren't any rash decisions here. Sometimes it pays to be rash, but... Uh, no, no, I think that's fine. I mean, we've had a reasonable process. I've got here all the blinking papers that uh, came first of all to scrutiny and then to the uh, Cabinet. So there's been a, quite a, a long effort following this through from, uh, from mainly last month. What I've, I've just got about three comments to make on various parts. Um, Councillor Rolfe has referred to the corporate plan. And I'll repeat what I've said elsewhere. I know that not everybody agrees with me. But I do feel that this um, corporate plan could be a bit smarter and a bit more focused on what the Council's priorities are. I feel that there are too many things listed here. And, and to me, I'd like to see a corporate plan about, and, and one which actually has, says a bit more about what the outcomes are go going to be rather than what the general um, themes are that we're going to be involved in. I'll say no more on that. On the... SPV, uh, I'll, I'll call it that. Um, I, I, I want to just simply say that this is, this is obviously a new venture. I, I think that I'm, I welcome the um, point that uh, Councillor Howell made about involving all members in putting the wheels on, uh, painting it, and, and whatever else we have to do to make it run. Um, because I think there are a lot of risks involved in going into this sort of adventure and they've not, obviously, you can't weigh up the risks of something until you know what it is. Um, so that's time. I think you know, there are clearly issues about who's going to drive it and uh, acumen of the people doing that. First of all, you've got to decide what it's there for. Um, and I want to repeat something that was uh, mentioned at the last council meeting uh, and it also involved another member of the council, that we ought not to just simply look upon this as, as a, a crude money earner and, and nothing else. So, just as an example, um, it may well be that there are, there's money to be earned by building and investing in houses in, I don't know, East Ham or somewhere, but if, if that doesn't do anything for this district at the same time, then we, may, we might be missing a trick. So I, I think what we do need to think about as this gets going is what is it that we can invest in in this district, which not only uh, helps the council's ongoing finances, but also at the same time 
delivers improvements to the district that, 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 that people will want to see and, and, and to some extent that, that you know, the response to the use of new homes bonus which was meant to be to invest in the district to accommodate the growth in population. So we'll come back to that and, uh, and, I, and I'm glad that we, we're going to have a uh, and the only other point I want to make on that is, of course, as this is set out on page 52 at the moment, it shows that by the end of this financial year there will be £6.455 million in there. Uh, it also shows at the present time that there will be £6.455 million in March 2020. Now, that, of course, is because we haven't decided what we're going to do with it. So until we decide what we're going to spend it on, that's what the budget shows, but uh, the, the important message is we've got to do something. As Councillor Howell knows, we've had many debates over the last few years about the purpose of reserves, um, and what we mustn't do is create reserves and it stays constant or keeps going up because we don't do anything with it. Um, I would like, wearing my local hat, welcome the capital programme uh, project to provide a new or an extended car park at Lower Street is something that uh, is soon going to be needed. Those are the, the main points that I wish to make, Madam Chairman. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Dean. Uh, thank you, Councillor Freeman. Sorry, I did see a hand go up. I couldn't recall whose it was. Talk, talk, 
and I believe the chief executive of Open Reach. Open Reach may have changed its name to something else by now, or I think it's true. And what emerged from this was that Open Reach, Madam Chairman, uh, runs, I think, greater than 90% of all the fiber optics in the country are owned them. And they haven't unbundled them, which is a way of saying that actually it's very hard to get access to them to be anybody else. And so it's not within their gift to do that, and it's not within. Um, we can obviously liaise and work with people, and there are alternative technologies. You know, 4G is as good as uh, the other technologies if you have access to it, but it's not something which is immediately within their reach. So, my only point, Madam Chairman, on page 37, me personally, I'm Uh, thank you very much, um, Councillor Freeman. Um, let, let me just do with the metrics first, because um, this, 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 this is a one-page, deliberately a one-page corporate plan, but beneath this sits a whole series uh, of other more detailed plans, and absolutely it's not worth anything if we don't have objectives and to know whether we're starting to achieve those objectives. But that does sit beneath this, this corporate plan. I understand the point uh, you're making, Councillor Freeman, but if I um, just take, for example, keeping Uttlesford safe and healthy, um, we are investing into uh, community safety officers. We don't have to. It's, it's going to cost us about £80,000, um, and uh, we think that makes a contribution uh, to helping uh, keep Uttlesford safe. Uh, Councillor Gordon um, is the lead officer for community safety. He's working very closely with the police. Um, as you well know, uh, we have uh, offered uh, the lodge to be the focus of police attention in Saffron Walden. I think that's a step forward. It keeps, uh, keeps them having a presence. So these are, you know, these are initiatives that are, that are helping. So we are able to, to support that objective. We're not the police force, and similarly we're not the NHS. And certainly around acute care, uh, we, we are a stakeholder, but we have fewer uh, levers to pull. As well as uh, meeting with Sir Alan Hazlehurst tomorrow, we're also meeting with Claire Morris, who is the CEO of the West Essex um, CCG. Um, and uh, these are fairly regular dialogues to make sure that West Essex is getting as good a health deal as it possibly can in terms of the services that are commissioned. And there are a number of areas that are causing us quite considerable concern now, not least mental health. Um, and these are things that we have to work with them. I'm certainly not going to stand here and claim credit for a seven-day service at uh, the Rabwinter Road Hospital, but we did lobby hard for it, and uh, we're doing our best through our communications team in terms of making sure it's used, because it's on a trial, so that it's, it's something that is sustainable. We're looking at a new health centre uh, in Dunmo, as you know, as part of the developments there. We obviously worked hard with our colleagues in Stansted to make sure that health centre came about. So again, there is quite a lot we can do, and health is not just about the operation you have in the hospital. 
Um, it is very much, uh, and I think our key area within this is doing what we can to stop people going into hospital in the first place. So this is all about the public health agenda. This is all about lifestyle. This is all about creating leisure opportunities. This is all about encouraging people to cycle rather than to drive. Um, and uh, then when they come back, this is all about looking after them, working with Essex County Council so they don't uh, lack the care and then go back into hospital, which, as you know, is a particular problem. And, and we can help the health service with Essex uh, County Council in terms of having the facilities for people to go to so they're not bed-blocking, which, as you know, is a key issue. So um, we've got a big agenda around generating, helping to generate lifestyle, working uh, with partners to make sure that our facilities are as good as they should be, very much listening to residents. But I, I totally take your point. We don't have all the levers, but I think if it's not an aspiration, then it, then it should be in terms of working towards that well-being uh, agenda, which is something very dear to my heart. Um, Essex County Council and Roads, yeah, we understand the problem, and um, I have said to the leader of Essex County Council, I think the changes you've made in terms of being able to report problems and the, uh, and, and the customer service you get back is hopeless. Um, uh, they are reviewing it, I understand, but... Um, it is very difficult. It, you, you, know, you and I remember the days when you got on a phone call to a friendly person and we all in, in this room croaked Chris Stoneham, who seems to have covered the whole of Uttlesford, but he was a, an outstanding service, and he got things done. And that, that doesn't necessarily uh, happen at the moment. Um, I, I, going to my parish councils, uh, the, these are issues that come up. I work very closely with my county councillor, Councillor Walsh, and uh, we have a pretty good track record in terms of getting that fixed. I know um, um, that uh, other county councillors uh, do, do the same thing. So it's a, it, it, is, it is a continuous dialogue, and uh, we do need to work hard to make sure that our roads are fit for purpose. We are uh, a remote community, and some of our rural roads are not in the standard that uh, they should be, and indeed the pavements, not least in Saffron Walden, are a problem. Broadband, uh, you heard earlier, it is a, it is a struggle, but um, we're making the biggest step forward in terms of coverage from where we started, but that ain't saying much because we started from a very low base. Uh, we've got a, another meeting with Councillor Bentley, um, who's, who's the portfolio holder at Essex, for this, um, because... Um, uh, BT are very much working through the, uh, the county, as you know. We're looking at the options in, so in terms of where fibre is not going to, and it won't go to every part of, uh, of, of Uttlesford. Uh, then what are the alternatives? And if necessary, do we need to use some seed corn money from uh, this council to help those alternatives? So we are doing what we can. So again, you know, we can help, we can help the process. I don't want to give up on this. I think it's important that we do what we can, but I, I, I'm not arguing that uh, we, are, we are not all of those bodies. I don't know whether that answers your question, but uh, thank you. Uh, Councillor Lodge. <coughs>
Thank you, Councillor Lodge. Um, Councillor Sell, please. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Councillor Rolf may be pleased to hear that our group, the Liberal Democrat group, will also be supporting the budget. And I'd like to thank Councillor Howe for all his hard work and for his announcement regarding the funding for the highways. And we'd just like it recorded, Madam Chairman, that the amendment was put forward. I was going to propose it. Councillor Dean was going to second it. Obviously, in the light of what Councillor Howell has said, uh, we will be withdrawing that amendment. We'd just like it recorded that we did actually put forward an amendment which has subsequently been withdrawn. Uh, Adelsford has the highest um, number of roads, the biggest district uh, in terms of the roads in the county, and I just felt that this was wrong to cut the funding on capital projects when I know my limited experience on the highways panel how much it can do for uh, particularly our villages and it's perhaps just a point to say about the highways rangers highways rangers as people will know was set up some four years ago when councillor walters had the portfolio everyone i speak to acknowledges the work the hard work that has been done by that small team of people and I was talking to some highways officers only yesterday and they gave me an example of a footpath somewhere in the district that the rangers had tackled and it was the first time in 40 years that that footpath had been done. Personally, I'd like to see the rangers expanded but from that point of view, very welcome announcement, thank you. Uh, David Cameron felt fit to mention his mother, I'll mention mine and Councillor Rolfe mentioned about the health and well-being and the importance of keeping people out of hospital, which I entirely agree with. Uh, my mother has a lifeline service, which we help part fund. It's unfortunate the county withdrew their funding. She used that on last Friday, and it was a very good service. Immediately, people were alerted, and fortunately, she didn't have to go in hospital, and that achieved its purpose. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Councillor Light, then Councillor Hargreaves. Thank you. Um, I, can, I acknowledge the hard work that's gone into this budget, and like Councillor uh, Freeman, I'm afraid it, a lot of it, uh, of the figures at least, um, really go over my head. However, um, I do agree that it is prudent and a good budget. However, there are a couple of points, and it's particularly the council tax that... Um, I endorse what Councillor Lodge was saying, that it is around 40, almost 48k only, and in light of the 300,000 additional uh, fund that's been given to the Council this year, I cannot see any reason to uh, increase by 1% this year, to make any increase whatsoever. So I'll be voting against that. The second point I'd like to make is on the corporate plan because I did look at it at scrutiny already and I had asked for further information. And when I looked at it, I thought, well, there really must be some pages missing here because it, it, there is very little information. And looking at the background papers, there are none that have been referred to by the author or authors. Um, I find it... Um, <laughs> Let's say that apart from the management speak that is there, the, there is insufficient information to enable me to make an informed decision whether I can or cannot approve it. Um, 
We needed a lot more detail, not just on outcomes or metrics, measurements, but really uh, many of the right, uh, items in the right-hand column don't actually match the, uh, the statement or the objective, the aim on the left. So um, I feel that a lot more work really should be done on this or uh, that we should have had a much fuller report presented to us. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I'd like to raise just a particular item uh, of detail, but also make a general comment on the overall um, presentation of, of the figures. Uh, could I draw your attention to um, page 43, um, paragraph J, and that's the reserves relating uh, for, to the local plan. It says additional consultancy spend or resources may be needed in order to take forward the local plan process. The planning service has budgets for the majority of this work. However, the planning reserve exists to meet additional costs. Uh, I asked uh, one of the finance officers how much was in that, that, that budget and, and reserves. And the response came back that there is no specific sum set aside in either the regular budget or the planning reserve. I was so surprised at that, I did go back and query it, and that was reconfirmed. Re um, so what this has been telling us is that the plan costs are basically taken as part of normal trading uh, within the, uh, the planning department. So I think paragraph J appears to me to be uh, incorrect. It gives the impression of a proper financial structure which appears not to exist. Um, and um, give you an example. Um, if overspill cost is supposed to come out of the planning reserve, if you don't know how much your budget was in the first place, how do you know when to take from the reserve? How do you even know how much to, to take? So I think there should be a specific budget for local plan costs. So plan J, uh, paragraph J is what we should be doing, um, against which all staff and external costs are charged so there's no risk of cross-subsidy and so the costs are uh, transparent. But at the moment, I think it does look like there's a risk of a lack of, uh, of financial control in this area. So please can I request that without altering any overall figures, and I do think the overall budget is, is fine, that a budget be identified and published for all the relevant plan costs and have a charge against it. Or if that's not done, then this paragraph needs to be uh, altered to say that there actually isn't a specific budget for the, the local plan costs. So that's my specific point. Do you want me to sit down while somebody answers that or shall I? I I'm happy to respond and I might take the opportunity to respond a to a number of other points if, if, I, if, I, if you don't mind. Um, in response to the specific points that Councillor Hargreaves refers to, he makes the point that on um, page 43, uh, or rather 42 to 43, we set out the risks against each of the estimates that we have within the budget and the likelihood of something happening, whether it's a high risk or a low risk, and what the impact would, of that might be. And he clearly recognises that there is the prospect or the possibility of an overrun in the cost of running the local plan were certain things not to go to, to plan. But there is 
the reserve strategy which covers the cost of such an event. So if you turn to page 52 in the papers, um, that sets out our various reserves and our general fund reserves include item C5 which is planning and there's an item of £1,063,000 £1, which is set aside to cover any planning costs that might not be covered during the normal trading of the operation. Now that might cover planning appeals. It could also cover cost overruns in the connection with the local plan. So there, are sufficient, there is sufficient robustness within our budget to ensure that we do cover costs as they arise. Should they not be covered because of unforeseen events, then we have a reserve specially set aside for any such event. I'm not challenging that there isn't the, 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 the budget or the cost there to do it, or the reserves there to do it. It's the issue that there isn't actually a specific budget within that list. So it doesn't, I'm not challenging the overall figures, but it just needs to be, it seems to me it's, it's sufficiently, it's not a normal piece of business having a local plan. I know it's been going since NOAA, uh, but um, I think we do need to have a, a separate budget there within this. Uh, and just having the extra reserves, that's fine, but it, it needs to be specific. Thank you. Um, Councillor Rolfe wants to respond to this, and then I've got Councillor Asker and Chambers waiting. I, I would just draw attention to what um, uh, <coughs> Councillor Howell just said in terms of uh, chart uh, 7.1, uh, item C5, which is a planning reserve. Um, but just uh, on, on that issue... Um, we are conscious, obviously, there is interest in terms of the cost of the local plan and figures are banded about. Um, and uh, so uh, Mr. Webb is setting up a, a transparent cost which will be referred to the Planning Policy Working Group and anybody else uh, in terms of, of, of what the ongoing costs of, of, of this plan are because clearly there is a difference between planning officers who are there full time um, and uh, the specific work uh, that is focused around the individual plan. But we want total transparency on that and I know you've asked for that in the past. So uh, we took note and that will happen. Um, as, as far as um, I, I won't go back to the uh, corporate plan if you don't mind. I, I, I like to think that the indices on the right do align with the left, but uh, if there's a particular example, I'm very happy to talk to you offline about that, uh, Councillor Light. But just on your generic point about council tax, um, I think it was fairly implicit in uh, what Council Howell said, which is that yes, we, have, uh, we are comfortable this year, but we can predict that we will have difficult times ahead. And therefore, it is appropriate that we increase our base uh, by uh, £47,000, £48,000 this year. That will, of course, be recurring. Uh, and the figure currently set in the plan for next year, not, you know, Council will have to make this decision in due course, is for a 2% increase so that uh, we are in alignment with all the other initiatives that he talked about in terms of uh, increasing our income, uh, operating more effectively, um, that uh, we're, 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 there, there will not be, obviously, a £700,000 deficit uh, in uh, uh, in, in three years' time. So I think this begins that process. And um, 
you know, 1% in terms of the actual impact on the individual of £1.42 per annum. I think, I think Councillor Howell said £12. He didn't mean that. He meant 12 pence. Um, is, you, you know, is obviously inconsequential compared to some of the other uh, activity that is going on. So, but it does, it does begin that trend. It sets our, our base uh, so that uh, by the time we get to our difficulty, we will have increased our base by about £200,000. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, first of all, I would like to uh, commend Councillor Howell and the officers for the hard work that they've put into um, the budget. Uh, it is very comprehensive, very informative. Um, I'm sorry Councillor Rolfe doesn't wish to return to the corporate plan, but that actually is the point that I would like to raise. Um, these documents are public for before the, the start of the meeting. Um, at scrutiny, and as a member of scrutiny uh, committee, we did question the corporate plan and um, we did suggest at the time that a one-page document seemed rather insufficient uh, for something as big as a corporate plan. Um, we were told um, by actually Councillor Howell that there would be more information by the time the meeting took place. I think I'm right in saying that. Um, but it didn't transpire. And it's a great shame because there are many, many people within the district that will have perhaps looked at the papers prior to tonight's meeting and thought, is this it? Is this as much as we see as a corporate plan? And I, I really am quite surprised um, that the author of the corporate plan uh, merely says on background papers on the front page, the following papers were referred to by the author in the preparation of this report and available for inspection from the author of the report. Um, I don't think it would have taken much, in fairness, to actually have compiled something a little bit more in-depth rather than speak to us uh, with regard to one or two points raised by Councillor Freeman, but the information could have been there readily available. Thank you. Um, what, what I, uh, the question I answered was the alignment of we will do this by, with, by 20, 2021, and if, as I said, if Councillor Light wanted to be specific, then I'm happy to take that offline. I'll repeat again, I think it is appropriate that it is quite clear on one page the direction of travel that this council is taking. Beneath what every one of these pieces of work, and I'm sure you're aware because you do sit on a number of uh, committees uh, and, and parts of this council, the documentation that backs this up is substantial. Um, now, it was never the intention to bring all of that to this, to, 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 to this. The corporate plan is about a clear statement of travel with uh, some of the indices as to how we would do that. We would happily point you in the direction of the, uh, of the strategies that sit beneath that. Um, there's a lot of them. So, uh, as I say, I, th I think we're talking about two slightly different things. Nobody's suggesting that we're going to run the council on one page. Uh, but what we've tried to do is to summarise uh, the direction of travel, the corporate plan. But the council is most methodical in everything it does. And those who sit on the planning policy working group will know this more than most. Um, everything that we do is, is hugely documented in terms of the strategy and the detail that goes behind that. So I'm pretty comfortable that the, the, the empirical and substantive evidence is is, is good, uh, but uh, that, that was not the purpose actually of, of, of a one-page corporate plan. Thank you. I think I believe we just have oh, Councillor Chambers now. 
Thank you, Madam Chairman. <coughs> Madam Chairman, I am pleased with what Councillor Asker has just said because I think it sums up to me the difference between a good administration and a bureaucratic administration. I remember some years ago, as you all know, I've been on the council a long time, like Councillor Dean. Um, years ago, we used to have pages and pages on the corporate plan. How many people in this room think that more than a dozen people read it? Because I can tell you they didn't. What's put down in the corporate plan here is, as the leader has said, and I congratulate you, leader, on this. I don't always congratulate you, but I congratulate you on this. It is a simple thing to prioritise what this council is going to do, what it can, and in some cases, what it can't. If anybody wants any more than this one page, and I guarantee that there will probably be... Oh, a hundred people that read it, but nevertheless a much greater number, they will read this and they will get the priorities. If they want any more information, as Councillor Howe, uh, the Leader of the Council said, there's pages and pages of it. We've got strategies, we've got plans, we've got so, much, so many bits of paper, it's unbelievable. So I do congratulate him on that and I do say to Councillor Asker, no, thank you, Councillor Asker. The average person in the street, they want to read it. One page, they'll read it. Any more than that, they'll chuck it in the bin. Just the same as they do when we all go out electioneering. They look at the front. Most of the time, they don't even look at all. They just chuck it straight in the bin. So, I do congratulate. The other thing I would just like to mention is um, thank you, Councillor Howell, for actually putting forward the budget that you have. I think it is excellent. What I would say to you, and I will say to Councillor Dean, and he would expect me to say this, with regard to £6 million, if we have still got £6 million in a few years' time, we still have to be very careful. Because if we are going to do things for the public, which we all hope we do, and I hope we do some good things, but I'm sure we do, we have to sustain them. So if you're going to do something, it's either got to be a one-off, or, if it's in revenue, which is much more difficult, it's got to be sustained over a period of time. The Liberal Democrats put forward their amendment, which I'm delighted Councillor Howell has taken on board. But what I would say to you is, Councillor Sell, you've got to be careful that you don't raise people's expectations on highways and then have to say to them, sorry chums, we can't afford it now. That's the worst possible thing to do. If you can continue with services that you have and explanations why, then I think it is a very good thing. And it is a good scheme. But times are going to be difficult in the future. So I congratulate you, Councillor Howell, and uh, thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Madam Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Chambers. I'm, I'm aware Councillor Hargreaves has already spoken, but I'm going to allow him to speak again. And then I think we should go to the vote. Oh, I'm so sorry, Councillor Barker. I'll get in trouble. Um, no, thank you very much. Uh, could I just um, make a general comment on the, the, uh, the overall um, financial package? And perhaps these are requests maybe for next year, for next time. This is the first time I've seen this. 
um, gone through it all. There's an awful lot of it. There's a lot of detail. And I'm an accountant, and I found it very hard work. My instinct is that possibly within this, uh, it, it may be possible to simplify the way it's all put together. It looks to me unnecessarily complex. For example, uh, we've got, for example, we've got uh, the same items appearing many times in different places. And actually, there's a piece of key information I was looking for, which I can't find. If you look actually on page 73, it says in the text that for the coming year, we're budgeting a surplus of 2.436 million. Now, that figure is obviously a key figure. It's the bottom line budgeted for the year. It's an important figure. And I was still looking for an income and expenditure table that went through it and came 2.436 million at the bottom. Yes, we understand. Right, that may be in here somewhere, but I couldn't find it. So perhaps for next time we could, we could have that. Um, and could we actually generally have a, a, a little review to see if we can simplify to make it more uh, coherent and readable? Um, I also have some problems that there are, do appear to be some inconsistencies in the figures. I've just looked at one thing, which is the famous special purpose vehicle reserve. I doesn't go through this. Don't try looking at the pages. But if you look on uh, for the reserve projected, the movement on the reserve projected for 2016-17, on page 73 it says 2.436 million. On page 74 it says 2.468 million. On pages 132, 138 and 149 where it appears again, it's 2.368 million. You have to put two figures together to get that. So we've got three different figures on five different pages. I assume should be the same and it goes on in the projected movement for this financial year it starts off from pages 132 and 138 is 1.92 million on page 149 it becomes 2.239 million and so it goes on so it's probably all okay in the end from a, an arithmetical stance but it is a struggle and I can see probably what's happened it's gone through lots and lots of irrita uh, irritation, iterations and I've been there myself, I'm an accountant. It is very difficult to keep all the supporting papers absolutely spot on in line. Um, so I'm not criticising the officers. I think they've done a very good job here. Uh, but can also in next time have perhaps a, a consistency review done by somebody to try and make sure all the papers are the same. So it saves us all churning through looking at it. So simplicity, some more quality of information uh, and some, uh, some consistency review. Uh, and just a separate thing on actually the... Are we voting separately on the council tax? It's uh, we, we have a, a proposal and a second at the moment to do block vote on these, all of these items apart from the general fund and council tax, which will be a recorded vote. Okay. Uh, on the, the council tax, the 1% increase is, is very small. It's not really worth arguing over, but obviously if we are making a two, budgeting a 2.4 million surplus we made a surplus last year, the year before. We've got very substantial reserves. I think I'm going to abstain on that. So I, I do don't think it's actually particularly necessary. But it's not worth making a big fuss about. Thank you, Councillor Hargreaves. Um, Councillor Susan Barker and then Councillor Howell. Thank you, Chairman. I'd just like to record um, an interest as a member of Essex County Council as the amended budget now includes um, references to... Um, I did say that I'd probably respond to a few points that were made, and I then probably forgot to do it. Um, and I apologise if I said £12 a month. What a shocker. 12p per month. 
uh, was what I meant to say. I, I very definitely hear Councillor Chambers' comments. I, for one, will not refer to it as a special purpose vehicle from now on. I shall refer to it as a special purpose company until we can come up with something else. If the vehicle was the, was the, was the noun that you're objecting to. Um, Councillor Dean made some interesting, useful points about the special purpose company. Um, and, and I'm conscious that it does come with risks. It un undoubtedly does, but it also comes re with rewards, potentially. And we have on our doorstep a particularly good example of the rewards in the form of the Manchester Airport Group. It is possible for councils to use their assets effectively. And you gave the example of investing in housing. I can't quite remember where you mentioned, whether it was Jigwell or somewhere like that. It's certainly not what I am envisaging, and I think I gave the clue in, in, in my introduction. This is about investing in our assets to generate an income. It may be, if we get good at it, we look elsewhere. But this is for our locality, and that would certainly be my intention. Um, we need to, to learn how to walk before we run, but it's about investing in the assets that we own. Um, Councillor Light uh, and Councillor Hargreaves have made comments about the, the council tax increase, and I recognise we have made a surplus this year. Um, but I'm very conscious, and the theme throughout this presentation has been about the deficit in two years' time. We have to start that process now. We can't believe it, as the leader has said, for two years and then find ourselves with, with the challenge. Um, and then finally, the points about the, the corporate plan. I know we've debated this long and hard. I had a chief executive many years ago who said to me that if you can't say it on one page, don't say it at all. And if you ever gave him a piece of paper which was more than one page long, he only read the front first page. Um, then he got a bit daft and said he'd just try and refine down the company to four words. And I have to say that that took it too long. So be grateful we have a corporate plan of, of one page, in, in my opinion. Um, and I, I hear the point that Councillor Hargreaves makes about consistency. Um, I, I think officers have done an astonishing job. If there are some inconsistencies, it is very definitely oversights. Because of the sheer complexity of this, it would be nice to simplify it. Heaven knows, I find it complex enough. Um, if there are concerns, I mean, you're an accountant, you don't need to, 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 to do this. But if councillors are finding any of this complex, I know that Mr Webb is very happy to sit down and talk through what the budget means uh, and how it's put together, to, to, because it is an unfamiliar document. It arrives once a year and we're expected to come up to speed. But thank you very much for your comments. I'll do my best to take those on board for next year. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Howell. Um, so we have a um, proposal and second to take a block vote on items 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 and 16. Madam, Madam, Chair, Madam Chairman, I personally can vote for all but item 11 on which I'd like to abstain. So can we take a separate vote on 11, please? Sorry. Okay. We need a seconder for that. All right, okay. Okay, so, um, sorry, Mr. Perry. Just wait for one. If members 
Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So we're now going to vote on a block vote on the other items 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16. Thank you. And then we will move on to the recorded vote for item 17, the general fund and council tax. Members, as I call your name, please indicate whether you are voting for, against, or abstaining. Councillor Artis. Councillor Asker. Councillor G. Barker. Councillor S. Barker. Councillor Chambers. Councillor Davey. Councillor Davies. Councillor Dean. Councillor Fairhurst. Councillor Farthing. Councillor Felton. Councillor Foley. Councillor J. Freeman. Councillor R. Freeman. Councillor Gleeson. Councillor Gordon. Councillor Hargreaves. Councillor Harris. Councillor Hicks. Councillor Howells. Councillor Jones. Mark here. Councillor Lemon. Councillor Light. Councillor Lodge. Councillor Mills. Councillor Morris. Councillor Oliver. Councillor Parr. Councillor Parry. Councillor Redfern. Councillor Wolf. Councillor Sell. Councillor Wells. Chairman, the vote is 29 members in favour, one against, sorry, two against and one abstention. One against and two abstentions. Motion is carried. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Um, moving on then to item 18, pay policy. Again, Councillor Howell. Um, Madam Chairman, councillors, I'll try and keep this as brief as possible. I know this is an extremely important paper for the many people who work in this building and whom we employ. Um, the requirement is there for us to re review and publish our pay policy. It's set out in this paper and uh, to keep it brief the, um, the council is recommended to approve the pay policy as set out in Appendix 1 and I thereby move this. Thank you. Uh, Councillor Morris. Thank you Madam Chair. Um, I'd just like to take you to page 171, if I may, um, with regards to average salaries. Um, the very top line reports that our median salary for all the Green Book employees is 20,849. Um, I understand that when we compare this figure to other councils, we're in the bottom part of the bottom quartile. Um, the Office of National Statistics puts median 
gross salaries at 27,600. Um, so I'd just like um, some assurances that steps will be taken to address this um, disparity, please. Thank you. Yes, Madam Chairman, I can confirm that officers will be bringing reports uh, in due course. No other questions? So we are asked to approve the pay policy as set out in Appendix 1. All those in favour? Against? Thank you. Motion carried. Uh, moving on then to the interim review of polling districts and places. Um, Mr Snow, I believe, is going to speak on this. Thank you. I may. I'll try to keep it brief for members. Um, the Council has a legal duty to uh, designate polling places for every parliamentary polling district in the district, and that's normally done after carrying out a statutory review, which happens every five years. We have in place a polling scheme uh, which was approved in December 2014, and it was based on the new wards, and that will operate for a period of five years. The returning officer is then obliged to locate polling stations for each election within each of those polling places. The problem has arisen in uh, two instances. In fact, there's a third one now I have to mention to members. Uh, there hasn't been time to carry out an interim review. Um, the electoral working group hasn't met, so there's no opportunity to present any information to them. Uh, so we have to deal with it in this way, uh, which is rather short-circuited the normal process. Um, to take them one at a time, as far as Suffermord and Castle East is concerned, Dame Bradbury School has been used for a number of years. Um, they have now refused to host a polling station for uh, the reasons given in the report, Chairman, um, for the parliamentary, sorry, for the police commissioner, crime commissioner election in May and for all future elections. That's my understanding anyway, that it's a blanket refusal to cooperate in providing polling facilities in the future. The reasons given, as I said, are in the report. Uh, there appears to be no other community facility available in the whole of that polling district area, quite Strangely, so we've, we've examined and looked at lots of different options and um, the one that has been uh, the, the fav favoured one is to locate a mobile polling unit at the home base site uh, off Elizabeth Way in Suffolk Morden and we've reached agreement with the people at home base to do that. They've been very cooperative and helpful and um, we will have located a company that will provide a facility there and that seems to be workable. As far as Stansted East is concerned, um, as members will be aware, or some members anyway, the uh, Adult Learning Centre has vacated that site and it's going to be redeveloped um, for a new school. We, we call it the Peter Kirk site. I don't think it's actually been called that for a number of years formally, but that's our description. And uh, we have negotiated, in fact, um, the uh, use of that site, even though the County Council initially told us that it wouldn't be available, but there will be a cost involved because the uh, site has been abandoned in effect and is sort of standing empty at the moment and obviously needs a great deal of uh, cleaning and so on to make it um, usable. And as, as I think it says in the report, there's no heating or hot water available on the day. Uh, the County Council have been, haven't actually been able to give me a firm figure to, uh, to improve it to sufficient quality to provide a polling facility 
on the 5th of May and also uh, for the European uh, uh, poll on, in June, but they've given me a ballpark figure of £500. I don't think that's necessarily the determining factor. I think um, in view of the uncertainty and the risk of the site not being available at some stage because of the redevelopment going to take place there, um, my recommendation to you, Chairman, is that you uh, instead relocate to the next door site at St John's Church Hall, which is a very useful, which is a very good facility, and it's quite close by. So I don't think electors will be unduly confused by going to a slightly different site, um, and that we do that instead, and you simply substitute in those two cases the new site for the uh, site in the in the existing polling scheme, that is uh, at Dame Bradbury School to home base and then from the Peterkirk site to St John's Church Hall. There's a further uh, potential problem in relation to the EU in-out referendum in June in that the Friends School, the Assembly Hall, is not available because it's going to be used uh, for an examination uh, during the whole of that period. And so the only option we have there is to um, locate, again, another mobile unit in their car park. They've agreed to do that. It's, not, it's very far from ideal. Obviously, we're expecting quite a high turnout for the EU referendum, and we may well have to locate two polling stations. It's quite a, a lot of electors um, in that area. So uh, that seems to be the only option we have. Because the scheme specifically refers to the assembly hall as being the polling place, strictly speaking, we're not in accordance with that scheme. So I just ask you really to note it. I think it's just for that one occasion, and hopefully we'll be able to return to using uh, the assembly hall after, after June 2016. So I, can I just uh, ask a member to, to propose that, please, Chairman, and those changes and to incorporate, the, incorporate them into our new scheme? I so propose... Thank you. I'll go straight to the vote then. So we are um, looking to recommend the proposed scheme. All in favour? Thank you very much. Sorry. Um, the schedule of meetings for the next year... Was, I believe there was one amendment that was being proposed. Um, the December meeting for full council, there's a proposal that that is changed to the 8th of December. No other changes, I believe, have been submitted. Do we have to vote on this? Yeah, we do. Can I have a proposal for this timetable, please? Councillor Barker, seconded Councillor Redfern. All in favour? Thank you very much, Lee. And then moving on to item 21. Um, to consider and agree by resolution to call an extraordinary council meeting on the 21st of March to consider a new settlement option for the local plan. Do we have a proposal for this? Thank you. Councillor Freeman, seconder. Councillor Barker. Thank you. All in favour of this additional meeting? Thank you. Against? Carried. Thank you very much. Um, I don't have any additional items of any urgency at all, so um, the meeting is closed. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.